So one of the things that we learn from our biblical creation narrative is that we're living in the world differently than God originally intended. We're living out our days straight out of Eden. So how do we do that faithfully in a way that honors God, honors creation, and honors each other? Because how we treat the world is a spiritual issue. And so the first three Sundays of this series, we considered things like our role in caring for creation, what it means to be fruitful in our work, and the importance of living a localized faith. And today we're wrapping up the series by turning our attention to how we impact future generations, like Maggie and Jackson and all the students that are in here this morning and their great-great-grandchildren. See, we have a certain and special obligation to the generations that are coming after us. We want to leave an inheritance worth having. Speaking of the generations that are coming after us, there's been quite a bit of research, sociological research, religious research that's been done in the last 10 to 20 years. And Something that's come out of all of that research has been more and more people, as a percentage of the population, when are asked questions about religion, identify themselves as either none or done. You've heard these terminology before. So what, what religious affiliation do you have? None. Or, yeah, I had one, but I'm done. And, and that percentage of the population, particularly when you look at younger generations, is growing and growing and growing. Now, for some people, particularly older people who are devout in their religious faith and traditions, news like that is scary. Makes you want to sound the alarm. We've got to get back to the way things used to be. I'll be honest, for me, I find that news exciting. I think this is an exhilarating time to be a follower of Jesus. Because what we're finding is that culturally, collectively, we're getting over this idea of an inherited faith. This cultural Christianity that my parents went to church and my grandparents went to church, so I went to church and I grew up in the church and I'm just church and church is church and that's me and that's it. Because what's happening now is if somebody claims faith in Jesus Christ, says, I believe and I want to follow him, they're doing it because they mean it, not because somebody told them to or it was expected of them or they inherited it from somebody. And quite frankly, that excites me to know that that kind of movement is being born among us in a fresh and a new way. And in fact, students of history will tell you that The Christian faith has blossomed the most in the times when it was marginalized and on the fringes or even discriminated against. So personally, I find that kind of information, that that research, energizing as a follower of Jesus. To know that there are people coming up all around us who haven't been pre-programmed, 
but who are searching and looking and dying to know what's real and true for themselves and are finding faith and a relationship with God and Jesus Christ for themselves. And actually thinking about what it means to be the church and to share faith in a time like this brings to mind something I heard from a woman named Phyllis Tickle. So Phyllis Tickle was an Episcopal lay minister, well-known, well-read author, speaker about American spirituality. And I heard her say something in a podcast interview a few years ago before her death in 2015. And, and she said that Methodism, as a strand of Christianity, she said Methodism in particular is the Christian denomination that is best positioned to reach the world today. So I highly agree with Phyllis Tickle. Yeah. That's one smart lady right there. Right? A little home cooking maybe on my part. But, but she, she went, to, went on to explain in the interview, and she named some of the characteristics of Methodism as a denomination and, a, and as a flavor of Christianity, if you will, that, that she thought made it that way. And she named things like a commitment to holiness, you know, personal and collective, corporate holiness. She named emphasis on small gatherings of people, small groups, Bible studies, those kinds of things, a shared faith every day of our lives and not just on Sundays. She also named our commitment to social justice, to do right by everyone, everywhere, that we would strive to a world that is just. And not just for people, but for all of creation in its entirety. And so Phyllis Tickle said it's for those reasons that she felt like Methodism is well positioned to share the faith in a meaningful way with the generations that are coming into adulthood now. Listening to that interview with her, it it brought to mind for me a couple of places in the scripture where God talks about the fact that God is doing a new thing. One is in Isaiah and the other is in Revelation. But I want to read for you the passage from Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 15 through 19. We're going to put it up on the screens so you can follow along as I read it out loud. And this is what Isaiah wrote on behalf of God. God says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. The Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters? Who brings out chariot and horse, army and battalion? They will lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. And those were God's word through Isaiah for the nation of Israel at a time where they felt hopeless. They didn't have a place to call their own. They didn't have a home. They, they were being run by another nation by another people group. They were servants. They were second class. 
they felt like they had lost their identity as God's children. And in that moment, God gave them these words of assurance, encouragement, and affirmation. And he said, look, I'm doing a new thing right now among you. Do you see it? One of the other things that God said through Isaiah was, don't get caught looking in the past. Don't get caught pondering ancient history. Now, it matters. It's important, and it's meaningful. God said, who was the one who parted the waters? He's, he's alluding to bringing the Israelites out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. Who parted the waters? Who made the way for you? And then who brought the waters down on the chariots and the horses and wiped them out so that you could be free? God was saying, that was me. I did that. And now I'm telling you, that's in the past. That's done. I brought you from where you were to where you are now. But I don't want you focusing on that. I want you looking ahead to the future and to what's to come. And I know you're discouraged right now. You feel lost and confused and maybe even hopeless. But look. If you look, you'll see it. If you look, you'll see it. I'm doing something new right in front of your eyes. It's sprouting up right before you. I'm making a way in that desert. I'm making a path in that wilderness for you, for all of you, for my people. It was God's word for the Israelites in that moment, and I believe so much so God's word for us today. That God is making a way. God is doing a new thing. And we know that God has done things in the past and brought us to where we are. So we don't discount that. In fact, we stand on the shoulders of our spiritual ancestors as we continue to grow and strive and move towards being all that God created us to be. But we don't look backwards. Because God didn't say, look, I did a new thing. Or look, I'm going to do a new thing. God said, look, I'm doing a new thing right now. And there's a very real sense in which God is continually doing the new thing in us and among us. For us and for the people who come after us. For the future generations that will live on after we're dead. Now, the new thing that God did in one sense, the prophecy in Isaiah was pointing to Jesus. The, the new way that God was going to make for people down through history was going to be in the person of Jesus Christ. And I told you, it, it basically says the same thing in Revelation when John has this prophetic vision about what's to come and the new Jerusalem. And, and in that, John says that God says to him, look, I'm doing a new thing. 
even all the way to the end, God will be doing a new thing in us and around us and among us. And the fact is, even on a very basic human level, it's a new day that we live in. Our world is changing faster than it ever has before. And it's shrinking. People, groups are mixing and mingling and coming to know and understand each other like we never have before. Thank God, I think we're getting over this drunkenness on stuff that we've had for a few generations, at least here. And we're looking beyond it to something else, something more, something deeper. And I'll say, one of the stated reasons that subsequent generations are not picking up the faith of the previous generation is because they perceive a serious dissonance between what they hear from Jesus and what they hear from his followers. And it's loud. And so for those of you who might be in the generations that are coming into adulthood now, or you will in the next 10, 15 years, I want to say to you, the dissonance, the difference that you hear between what you hear from Jesus and what you hear from his followers, that difference, that's where we will grow. Individually, together, corporately, that's where our growth will happen. And growing means changing, and changing is hard. It's hard for a person, much less a group of people. And it can take generations. But don't bail just because it hasn't happened yet. Because you will lead us. into the future of our faith and our world. And our faith and our world are inextricably intertwined. And this is one area, this dissonance is one area that is being called to change, where I believe God is doing a new thing in us. The relationship between our beliefs and our actions when it comes to the earth itself. How do we treat our home? How do we treat creation? When they look back at us, what will future generations say about the home we left them with? Because it's not ours. We're caretakers of it. Stewards. It belongs to God. And we're here for a season. And I don't know about you, but whenever I went to somebody else's place, my mom always told me, leave it better than you found it. And so what does it mean for us here on the earth to leave it better than we found it? What are we leaving them to work with, to live with and care for? Because what we do to the earth matters. What we take out of the earth matters. What we put into the earth 
matters into the dirt and into the water. Have you heard of the great Pacific garbage patch that is growing off the west coast of the United States? I read that researchers just published the first comprehensive peer-reviewed study about this garbage patch that is floating out in the Pacific Ocean that is twice the size of Texas. And they said if you, if you weigh all the trash, it would weigh about the same as 500 jumbo jets. What they found is because of the prevailing winds and the currents of the ocean, it's all been pushed into this one place in the Pacific Ocean. When you hear that and you read that, what do you think? How do you respond to news like that? Not my problem. It's way over there. I don't live in the ocean. See, that's not Christian. <laughs> or, oh, I don't see that. It doesn't affect my daily life. It's not in front of my face, so i got other things I need to worry about. I mean, that, that's not really Christian either. That's, that's infantile. That's, a, that's lacking object permanence to think that just because it's not in front of my face and it doesn't exist and I don't have to worry about it. Or do you think it doesn't affect me? There's nothing I can do about it. That's too big of a problem for me. I mean, that's... To an extent, that's just lacking the, the will and the effort and the fortitude to deal with something that needs to be dealt with. Not consistent with our faith either. In some really significant ways, we are killing God's creation. And it is our problem. What are we leaving for the future generations? Yes, God is doing a new thing and even now raising up new people in our faith, making a way in the desert, making a path in the wilderness. And sometimes it seems like we're doing everything we can to handicap God's effort. And so what we do, the choices we make, the decisions that we make, now, when it comes to our world and the earth, will affect the generations that are coming after us. And what are we going to give them? What are we going to leave them with? I want to show you something that um, somebody left with me, my grandmother. And my grandmother, she's, uh, she passed away probably 16 years ago now. Uh, but when I was a kid, she made me a quilt. Uh, and I've heard from so many people that said, hey, me too. I've got one of those. Yes, but you don't have one made by my grandmother. Um, <laughs> and she made one for uh, all of her children, all three of her kids, all eight of her grandkids, and, um, and one for a great-grandchild. My daughter, our oldest, Abby, was the only great-grandchild that got one before my grandmother just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and she made it out of scraps that uh, she had gotten from my aunt in particular who made dresses for her daughter when she was young. And so all the scrap material that was left, 
my grandmother took and cut up into little squares and, and sewed them into quilts uh, for all of us. And so uh, I've had this one, I, I don't know how long, at, at least 20, 25 years, maybe longer. Uh, my mother did tell me that she kept it until I was an adult. Um, <laughs> like when I was in college, it didn't go to college with me. I, I don't know why, um, but that's the case. And it, like I said, it's, it's probably 20, 25 years old now, and it is so soft and comfortable, you know, and warm, but yet cool. Like, you know, it's breathable. It's just the perfect quilt, blanket. I love it. Um, and my daughter, like I said, she has one. Hers is not as good as mine yet. It just hasn't been around as long. There's something about time that makes these even better. And, I mean, she worked hard on it. You can tell. I mean, if you get up close and look at it, and you're welcome to when we're done here, but uh, she put her best effort into it, took care of it in creating it. And so it will last, I'm sure, my whole life and beyond. And I think what a great metaphor for us and for our earth where we live. Just if we could think about the earth as our quilt that we are sewing together, that we are creating and mending and tending to as our gift to give to future generations. To think, okay, what do we have that we can reuse and repurpose and make something good and useful out of. Instead of, well, as long as it's got a three or a five year lifespan, that's long enough, and you know, I'll have it paid off and I'll get something else. Well, what becomes of all that stuff then? And and what if we took care and we were meticulous about it and wanted it to be sustainable? And last for generations. And for it to be comfortable and good and right and warm and cool all at the same time. And that we would leave our planet, we would leave the earth, we would leave our faith and our relationship with our home and with creation in such a way for future generations that it will bless them. And they'll want to tell people about it. And they'll be proud of it. And all of us can participate in that in some way, big or small. We can all help make the earth our gift that we'll give to future generations in a way that would honor God, the Creator sustainer, the one to whom it all belongs anyway. And so what I'd like to invite you to do this morning, all of us in the room, is I'd like to invite you with me to let's, let's embody and symbolize what it would mean for us to leave the earth, kind of like for future generations, like my grandmother's left us these quilts. So we've got some stations set up around the room, and we're going to make a quilt together. Uh, we've got 
a station back by that window, a station back by that window, and one on either side of the stage, the platform up here. And each station has a little squares of fabric and markers. This is actually the leftover fabric from when we made the prayer flags Easter a year ago, and we flew them out in front of the church building. If you were here for that, you might remember it. And so we had more than enough, and so we're reusing that fabric. And so what I'd like to invite you to do while we sing in just a minute is would you think about a way that you can help leave it better than you found it for future generations, whatever that might mean for you, big or small, and then write that or draw that or whatever you want to do on a piece of this fabric that's at these tables. And then when you've done that, will you bring it and lay it in here in the middle? Just lay them. We'll tile them together right here. And what we'll end up with is a pretty cool visual, I expect, of how we all are going to be a part of leaving it better than we found it and doing that in the name of God. And then, just so you know, when we've done that, our artist in residence, Anessa Foley, will take them all and she's actually going to have them quilted into a quilt. And so we will have that as a permanent piece to represent our commitment together. Just right here, those of us in the room. What, a, what an impact and a difference that we can make. So I hope you'll do that when we sing our last song in just a minute. And also when we're singing, we do a couple of other things. I mean, that's an opportunity to give, to give back to God. That's our tithe, our offering. This is a very tangible way that we say, I believe in what God's doing in my life, that God has blessed me and I want to give back to God, and that I believe in what God's doing to the church and, and I want to help move the church forward. And so we do that when we give. And so the ways you can give are up on the screen right there in front of you. And then also, if there's something that you would like for somebody to pray with you about, you may be in a place in life or know someone who is, and you would just appreciate somebody who would be willing to pray with you. We have people who are trained and ready to do that, uh, and they'll be back by these windows behind me. I have a little name tag that says, See Our Care. So as we're singing, um, I invite you to go and see them, and they'll pray with you. But before we get into making this quilt and singing our last song, could we pray together? And as a part of our prayer, I mean, would you be open to just listening to God? What God says, look, I'm doing a new thing, even right now. And the embodiment of that new thing is Jesus, who came to set the world back to right. And that starts in us, in our spirits, in our souls. And moves out from there into every corner and every aspect of creation. And God invites us to participate in that and be a part of it. So would you listen to where God is calling you today? Maybe God's calling you to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. Say, yes, I believe and I want to be a part of that. I want to trust him. Maybe God's calling you to... Make this place your home, your faith community, the center from which you can move out from into the world to be a blessing. So you'd like to know more about what it would mean to, to be a part of this church. Or maybe God's already put something in your mind about how you can help leave this earth better than you found it. God, we are thankful that ours is a living faith, that you are alive and well and among us that your Holy Spirit moves and leads us and calls us 
and draws us closer into a relationship with you and into life the way you created us to live it, not just for ourselves, but for each other and for the generations who come after us. God, give us ears to hear. Give us open hearts and open minds to see what you're doing now and to be a part of it. And so for whatever we write or draw or represent on these pieces of fabric and and then bring them in together to make them a quilt, God, would you bless that so that together we can do your work for your world. And this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.